You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Anton Venter. He's the Chief Strategy Officer at the City Changers Movement. Anton, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you guys. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the ministry, uh, maybe what what you guys do, how you do it, and uh, maybe most importantly, why you do what you do? Yeah, thank you, Zach. Yeah, City Changers, uh, we equip local leaders to change their world. That's what it's all about. So we we actually don't do city changing or city transformation ourselves. But what we do is we actually come alongside local leaders, say, how can we equip how can we empower what you are doing locally? Kind of like the Intel chip inside. And uh, so we do that through a number of mechanisms. But um, the end goal and what we're really trusting God for is his transforming presence in cities all around the world. So, you know, the scripture Habakkuk 2, 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That is such a, a great scripture for us where we see ourselves as how do we, how do we empower that? How can God use us to come alongside some great ministries, leaders in several different industries and equip and empower them to do what God has called them to do? Mm, that's cool. Did you always find that working with local leaders and uh, national leaders was the most effective way or has that shifted as the organization has grown? Yeah, she, you know, initially we we actually had, um, you know, some leaders who, who did things in different nations around the world, and so there were two options here: either you you get a you get a, a a leader who has been part of your organization, put him in a different nation, and then have him learn and adjust to that particular culture, or you get someone from that culture and you equip them with what you are and who you are as an organization and have them execute that in that nation. And the second option we found would be the the better one. It's easier for someone to integrate into city changers and get what we're all about than one of our people who are homegrown to go into a foreign nation and try and learn that language or the the cultural customs or whatever is there. Mm, That's cool. So how did you get guys get started doing this? Like, what are and maybe what are the most ex, um, exciting things that you're seeing God do through the ministry lately? Yeah. So actually, it all started about <laughs> 28 years ago. So we were in Pretoria, South Africa, with a with a small church. We just uh, started out. Alan Platt, who's the leader and founder of Doxadeo Church and the City Changers Movement. He took over the leadership of a small struggling church who just went through a church split and a leadership crisis. And then, um, you know, uh, God just did something <laughs> to this day. It's just, it's like a miracle that happened. Within a year, more than a thousand people just were added to the church. And this was a small base. It was like two, 250 maybe people. 
all these people came in, they went to four services on a, on a Sunday, and then I had to say, hey, what do we do? Do we do we build another macro big building, do a large church, and then decided to go for a multi-site model, which in that stage was like unheard of, right? There were no mm. video broadcasting. There were nothing, so nothing multi-site. So we did a, uh, actually designed that and started to roll that out. And that has developed over the years to now Doxareo has um, 32 campuses in uh, different nations around the world. So we're in Germany, we're in the UK, we're in New Zealand, in South Africa, and also here in the US. We actually launched our first Doxadeo church in Charlotte, North Carolina, a week ago. So it's all very fresh and new and exciting. But so typically what happens, you know, when, when there is a church and there's favor and God is doing something, a lot of other leaders around the world started to migrate towards and say, hey, can you guys share some best practice? Would you share what are you doing? And and we didn't feel like, you know, starting an association or something like that. So we just said, hey, we're willing to share. And and we don't think we've got everything figured out by no means. We're, we're learning as we're growing. Actually, in some areas, we have no idea what we're doing, but we're discovering, you know, slowly <laughs> maturely growing and and just finding out, you know, what have God um, do have us do in a in a particular context. But um, so we started to gather leaders and created a platform to just share some best practices, and not only share but actually create a conversation because we know a lot of these leaders have discovered things and we wanted to learn from them as well. So we created this platform. It developed over time. It became the City Changers Movement who is now involved in 31 nations, activities around the world. And we're just seeing God doing amazing things uh, in so many nations. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's exciting to be a part of that. That's cool. So it kind of s- came about out of the church planting work that Doxa Deo was doing? Yeah, so we, we started to plant churches and, and the ministry grew. And so what was interesting for people was how do you, how do you have a global church, you know, that is, you know, so united in, in mission and, you know, in relationship, yet locally so relevant? And that was the question that people wanted to wonder about. How do you, how do you get so many leaders, quality leaders to say, hey, we want to be in on this? Because typically, you know, the normal route is a leader, uh, you know, stands up in a, in a, an organization, he rises and becomes a, a bit of a star and then feels like he has to leave and go and do his own thing to really have his own sort of, you know, ministry. And mm-hmm. somehow by God's grace, we've been able to, to create enough room, almost like the Germans would say, Lebensraum. So just uh-huh. this, this, these, uh, this room and these, this, this, the space for leaders to be everything that God has called them to be within the context of our ministry. And that has just been a, a wonderful experience. So people kind of, you know, were wondering about that. So we had a number of people go to um, different of our our venues to, to look at that. Um, one of the, the city where we started in Pretoria, that was our, our first and, and grew the, the fastest. And so right now that's about 13 campuses with about 30,000 people. So we have a lot of people, you know, from around the world traveling, they're going to look at not only the church, but also the five Christian school expressions, the, the, the orphanages, the skills development training programs, a lot of other related um, entities that developed out of that. And kind of asking the question, how did you create a leadership pipeline 
that would develop so many leaders, you know, at a pace where they feel that there is enough for them in this to actually, you know, it's it's like we say, you know, we're we want to get all together, right? We want to we want right. to all one day retire together, share stories of what God did, and just be grateful for being part of something unique that God has done. Mm, that's really cool. And as as you guys have grown and and the Lord has shaped and and built this ministry through you and your leadership team. Uh, what have been some of the hardest challenges and lessons and struggles you guys have encountered as the ministry has grown? Hey man, I tell you, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been an interesting journey. So I've been part of this ministry for uh, just over 25 of the 20, 28 odd years. Oh, wow. So that's been, that's been a crazy journey. I tell you that there's been times where we were on top of the world and it's all just wonderful. I remember back in 2003, we had a growth spurt. I mean, this was incredible. We were, everything we touched was just, it was incredible. And then we overheated and we actually oh, came down wow. with, a, with, a, with a cash flow challenge because we were growing too fast. We were having double digit growth for a number of years. And then we just, I mean, we just burned through and a couple of things happened and we had a cash flow crisis and that, you know, brought us back. And we just, you know, somehow, I don't know how this works, but somehow, I know God doesn't bring hardship, but sometimes he uses it, right? And then, so we mm-hmm. had this, this incredible uh, challenge and God got our attention and we had to refocus and regroup and ask, you know, why is this happening? Where have we deviated from our mission? Where have we, and we mm. found like, you know, in terms of our message, we, we kind of um, found ourselves not being so accurate in terms of the completed work of Christ, but but sort of migrating to a, hey, how to five steps for this and sort of not, okay. not uh, you know, focusing on the foundations of that. So that was a was a was a big challenge for us, and um, but you know it's just incredible, uh, you know within within in a year after that we had a, a capital campaign and, and just had some incredible things. So so God brought us through some of that. But then as we expanded, one of the big things was this leadership pipeline. How do you create enough leaders coming through and developing enough leaders? So that has been uh, it. It it was a challenge, man. It was really a hard lesson to learn. How do we how do we create an environment of trust that's not political, mm. you know, where leaders can just be honest and there's transparency and there's integrity and 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 can just journey together and you know when we when we're not when we don't get it right, just to say, hey, you know, we tried this, somehow it worked or it didn't work, and, and just continue from that. So that's been a uh, 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 it it was a battle. It's still, I mean, to this day, it's still a focus for us. How do we create enough of these leaders? Um, mm-hmm. Although we've seen some incredible, you know, growth in that area, especially in the last ten odd years. Mm. So you've mentioned the leadership pipeline a couple of times now. What what does that look like? How is the how have you built up and grown this pipeline of leaders getting trained and equipped and then pushed out from the organization to go into their cities and and have impact? Yeah. So part of our part of part of our values, one of our leadership values is reproduction. So what we say is you never do alone. You always have someone that you have alongside of you that you are thinking of who could be the next guy that can actually, you know, take this further than what I took it and not be intimidated uh, by that or threatened by a someone that has a gift that is coming alongside, but creating room for that and actually mm. celebrate that. So a lot of that is part of the culture 
where every, I mean, that's what we're asking. One of the leadership values is growth. How can we grow? So all the time, growing, learning, being teachable, trying to grow, but at the same time, bringing someone alongside that you, that you, that's in your slipstream the whole time and making sure we don't bolt around the capacity or the gifting of one individual, but actually mm. bolt this around a dream that God has and getting people to buy into that dream and actually own that dream. It's fascinating. When you talk to, to City Changers Movement, some of our staff and leaders around the world, um, they would never say this is Alan Platt's dream or Anton or one of the, 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 the top leaders. They would always say, this is my dream. I have mm. taken ownership of this. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see how leaders embrace that and, and how that is, is part of the pipeline of just seeing the whole time new leaders uh, coming through from different generations, focusing on the next generation the whole time and uh, seeing that those leaders develop. And then so sort of building this model of um, asking, you know, what are the, what are the leadership um, uh, dimensions that needs to develop in an individual leader? So we did a bit of research a couple of years ago, and we found that especially in the church arena, some of the, 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 the guys would focus predominantly on the theology part, and it's all about the, the formal qualification. And then you have some who would focus mainly on leadership development, and then you would have some who may focus mainly on mentorship or some of these programs focus on practical guidance and practical training. And so what we did, we developed a, a process of merging those and developing a, a leadership pipeline in education, in business and in, in the church spheres where you have leaders mm. that grow through that, getting their qualification, but also being mentored. Also understanding the Doxodeo mandate and what are some of the fundamentals that we want to invest in them, uh, being mentored and, and being exposed to a team where they can get some practical experience. So that's all part of all of that. I don't want to go on and on about that. No, that's good. This, this uh, idea within your culture that there's shared ownership and, and new leaders that come into the organization and are a part of it or go through the training come out saying, no, this is my vision too. That's, that's a, um, a testament to the, the probably clear messaging work that you guys have done going back to that biblically centered communication, um, that, that the Lord walked you through that challenge you discussed. And so, um, I think that's a testament to the culture that you've built and the clear communication that you have to the people that go through the organization and anybody within the organization, staff, employees, et cetera. So. Yeah, Zach, you know what? I think one of the things, if you talk about communication specifically, one of the things that we have learned is, is not to be afraid to repeat things. Mm. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think if we've said it once, people have heard it. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 they might have heard it, but they've also forgotten it. <laughs> really. Yeah. So we repeat. We're not afraid to repeat the same stuff over and over and over again. Some of the stories... Some of them can tell some of the jokes. Some of the guys can tell over and over again. <laughs> they laugh at them every time, but they've heard it so many times. So that culture is created through those stories and through mm. communication. And, and so alignment and making sure we have clear models that are over and over processed, discussed, um, and reinvented over time. You know, some of our mm. models we had to, you know, after a time say, Hey, these, these terminologies are now outdated. Maybe we need to relook oh, at that interesting. and yeah. then create a co-creation process 
where we have a number of leaders speak into that. And uh, so one of our core discipleship models have been recreated in terminology about 10 years ago now. It served as well for the first 15, 18 years. And then we realized some of these terms, we need to, we need to look at that again. It took us a year to process with all the different groups of leaders around the world, got input, send it back, process again, tell us what, is, what does your team say about this? How do they feel? And then in the end, when you get that sense of shared ownership, we've co-created, so it's co-owned, then, mm-hmm. um, then they start to communicate that. And, and so mm-hmm. the interesting part is when you have a leader who, who doesn't only communicate himself, but it's actually now listening to his, his, his deputy that is now growing into his role, listen to him communicate that or her communicate that. And, and what are they saying and what are they not saying? How are they presenting this? And, and that is a way. So, you know, I, I, years ago, I read the book of, of Covey and the seven habits, you know, and, and right in the front of the book, Covey says, he says, hey, if you really want to know these habits, teach them. And we've discovered that if we really want people to know some of our core communication, have them teach that. And when mm. they and you hear them teach it, you can see where they don't understand it yet, but also it reinforces it for themselves. It makes them own it because they put their own examples, their own stories in there. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, process to see that. Yeah. I think about how often we need to be reminded of the gospel, right? Or how how often you need to be practicing something to create a habit. I think it's like 66 times you have to do something in order to establish a habit. The same thing goes for our communication as long as we're if you guys have learned that if you're repetitive and saying the same thing over and over and over again, eventually it sticks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. But also saying it from different angles, you know, sometimes mm. we would present something and then about 10, 15 minutes into it, the guys would say, Oh, I know where this is going. He's actually talking about our DNA or no, this is actually our values. This is from another mm. angle. And so it's just, but it's, um, it's really important to 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 not be afraid to to repeat. Mm, that's good. Now, one of the topics we discussed offline was this idea of city transformation. You've mentioned a little bit that you don't go in trying to achieve city transformation, but you go in investing in and pouring into leaders, national leaders, national partners. Um, can you maybe share and go into this a little bit more, but what your working definition of city transformation looks like and, and how you know when you're seeing a city transformed? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. So we, um, when we talk about city transformation, you know, we, we developed a little bit of a model. And we, what we see in any city that God uses three agencies. And these agencies are the missional individual, the missional community, and the missional ecosystem. And if you can see alignment between these three agencies, you get the best possible city transformation happening. Missional individuals are individuals who take up their calling, understanding whether I'm a teacher, whether I'm a business person, whether I'm an entrepreneur, whatever I do, I am called by God. Calling is not just something that is reserved for people in full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. We put missional individuals to understand that through different programs and, and to see that happen. But then you have missional communities. And sometimes that missional community can be a church, but sometimes it's a school or sometimes it's a business or, or a nonprofit organization that finds themselves understanding that we are a missional community 
used by God to equip missional individuals for the work of the of the ministry. But those missional communities don't only find themselves in, in isolation, but they are functioning in a bigger, larger missional ecosystem, which would mm. be the city. And so you identify different role players in the city. And, and then you, you kind of ask who are the leaders in the city that has a similar heart, who has you know, a similar vision for the transformation of the city, and ask, okay, so how do we, how do we bring them together? And then say, okay, now in the missional ecosystem, when we talk about working together, how do we do that? How do we have unity, not only for the sake of unity, but unity for the sake of mission? Because what we Mm. find these days in a lot of cities, there's a lot of unity movements, especially in the church world, where church leaders would come together. Um, And it's just, you know, after a while, it's it sort of runs its shelf life. And it's, uh, okay, are we going to have another coffee? Are we going to just get together for the sake of getting together? But what if we could unite around a mission where we could see something happening in the city? Here in South Florida, where we are, we actually saw a unity movement called Church United that we, that we uh, empowered and helped to, to, um, to get going. And um, where they got a, a, a vision to say, how can we see the city transformed? And, and basically said, we have about 3% of the people in our city that is shown by Borna as really committed Christ followers. You know, there's 50% who would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian or even 75% on their, on their census forms, but only 3% would display some of those characteristics. And they said, how can we double that from 3 to 6%? How can we start to create that influence? Now you have the Presbyterians that will approach this in a particular way. You have the Methodists. You have all different sorts of churches and ministries who would all do it in their own way and so what we say is in the missional ecosystem, we don't follow or we don't focus on shared activities as much as on shared outcomes, which now leaves the Methodists to bring their contribution towards the transformation of the city within their cultural re- frame and reference and the Presbyterians and, and the Charismatics and whatever church, whatever stream you're from, you can make your unique contribution to the transformation of the city because we're talking about outcomes and not trying to force shared activities. So when Mm. we're in this missional ecosystem, now the unity movement are asking the question, how do we empower missional communities to be on mission so that the missional communities can empower missional individuals? Now, this is a reversal of energy because oftentimes missional individuals have to go make a missional community work. They have to serve in the church and the churches have to go and serve the the unity movement. But if you reverse the energy and ask, how does the unity movement serve the churches? And how do the churches serve their people so that we create a, a, a circle of energy that if that is flowing where people are equipped to be city changers, missional communities are equipped to be missional in, in what they do, and the missional ecosystem start to collaborate around shared outcomes. We see incredible things happening. So, um, for instance, right now with the hurricane Ian that is happening on the, on the West coast, we have buses going through every day with people in the city traveling to those affected areas to go and serve there. And that's coordinated by the missional ecosystem, which is the church United, which has so many churches engaged. When the shooting took place here in the airport, these churches all united and said, how do we serve 
the victims. And, and actually mm. what happened was our hospitals were filled with people who got shot and they were tourists coming here. So we actually went and said, hey, as a, as a missional ecosystem, how can we serve that? So the church leaders said, okay, we're going to all take up an offering, put all the, the money together. And as the capital C church of Christ in the city, we're mm. going to take care of the medical bills of every person that was shot in our city. And just tell them wow. that the Church of Christ paid that for you. And we even had money left and paid for people to come and visit them while they were in hospital. And so it was such a, a unique expression of what is transforming in the city, where the culture in the city is changing. And the media picked up on that, and they started to ask the question, hey, now we're seeing the church not only when it's positioned against things, but actually seeing the church in action where it's positioned for something. Mm and being positioned as a contributor to the city. And that has, has changed so much for us around here. That's cool. So so the the missional ecosystem would be, would you describe it as like the church regional, regional churches and schools and businesses coming together to, to talk together, to be in unity together, all in a missional alignment around the gospel? How do you guys, um, how do you ensure that leaders from all these different industries and, and avenues are not just focused and worried about building their own siloed organizations or agencies or, or institutions and want to play in partnership together and speak together and commune together and work together and not because especially it seems like in the West, maybe this, this is what I see. I don't know if this is true globally, but there's just this tension from one brand to another, one organization to another to not play well because I'm too worried and focused on building my siloed yeah. it thing. How, how do you guys avoid that within this missional regional ecosystem that you're working towards? Yeah, that's a that's so important to to lay that and and obviously we we trust God but so here's what we found is when these leaders when they start to connect, collaborate and celebrate. That's when we see that that this move happen. So connect is when we start to build the network. And a lot of times what we do there is the best place to start is around the area of soul care. So when leaders come together, so for us here in South Florida for instance it happened with a moral crisis. So we had two or three of the larger churches in the area whose, whose leaders came down with moral crisis. And then when that happened, we brought some of the leaders together and say, if this can happen to the best of us, it can happen to any one of us. And we started to, to produce a soul care reference where we started to invest in the, the soul and the well-being of these leaders. And as they started to become vulnerable with one another, started to form relationships and friendships. That's when you get a connection that rises beyond their logos and their names. Mm. And people are, are willing in the end to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's actually about what God is doing in this city. So to give you an indication that this bus trips, these bus trips that's happening now, one of the larger churches sponsored that. They paid for everything. And they said, we don't want anyone to know that we're paying to get all these leaders from different churches, different schools, different businesses, get them to go and help in the hurricane, but no one needs to know it's us who does this. And uh, so that's just, uh, so we're seeing more of that. It, it's not simple. It doesn't come easy, but it's 
it's an intentional connecting journey where everyone mm-hmm. connects and they don't have to be, feel threatened that they have to lay down what they're for because whoever that church or that business or that school is, they can celebrate who they are and who God created them to be because that's their unique contribution to right. the shared outcome. They don't need to be something else. The, uh, you know, if you talk evangelism, um, the way some of these churches do that, it's very different, right? Some would prefer alpha, some would prefer different EE3 or whatever evangelism courses. And we say, hey, whatever way you want to do it, God has called you and set you up in a unique way to do that. And we're going to honor and celebrate what you do in your unique way. So we don't want to compare you with others, but we want to together celebrate what God is doing through our, our city. So and, and celebrate is an important component because what you mm. celebrate, you will replicate. So because we always make enough time through communication mechanisms to celebrate what God is doing through this ecosystem in the city. So many people become aware of, you know, when, when the shooting thing happened, the media picked up on it. The churches were all over this. Everyone knew what was happening. When, uh, when the hurricanes come, when uh, some sort of a crisis come, uh, when the shooting at the Stoneman Douglas School happened here uh, in, our, in our city, I mean, it was within, because there's already a connection and a network built, it was like that. And, and these guys were together, united, saying we're there, helping people, serving people. And um, so uh, actually once a year, we have a big celebration where we bring together these leaders and celebrate what God did through these individual organizations on these collaborative outcomes that we see. And we have a collaborative picture saying in this year, we invested so many in homelessness or so much in, in um, educational reference or whatever the case might be. So it's, it's actually um, just wonderful to see that. It, it's not, maybe I, I, I sound as if it's easy. It's not easy. <laughs> it's, a journey. <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey for sure. But um, we've seen God do some amazing things through that. Well, it sounds like you guys have a, a pretty clear plan and strategy for dealing with that that problem because i'm sure it is a problem and probably within each context and cultural uh situation you're working within it's probably different as well yeah very much so so i mean um, the different cultures are you know if i if i talk about germany and our engagement there in the in the stuttgart context um it's just incredible to see how the germans i mean Talk about individualism and talk about a strong individualistic culture. I mean, that is, it's rampant. And the Germans are, are in that. And that's post-Christian, right? Very much mm. so. So, I mean, a very low percentage of, of believers in that, in that nation. But um, still, we could see. So just uh, about two, three weeks ago, we had a, a group of churches, about 20 churches in the city of Stuttgart say, we're going to close our Sunday. And do it together in a in a city hall in the middle of the city. Had over two thousand people attend that, and just together celebrated what God is doing through the city and mm. through the, the evangelical alliance is actually the the mechanism that we use there. But but here's the thing, you know, it's it's about um, uh, the the whole idea of uh, of so we talk about a DNA of grace, faith, and trust. And the okay. whole idea of trust is to just work away from any political agendas and just be honest and transparent and build that 
um, and, and, and just to, to make sure that there is grace in this, in this journey, but also faith to trust God for what only he could do. Um, so yeah, it's different. It's different in Africa. It's different in Europe. It's different in Australasia. It's different here in the U.S. Um, and every one of those nations have cultures that works or cultural dimensions that work for you and some things that, that works against you. And, and, mm. and I guess that's part of the, part of the journey. Mm. Well, that, that's a good segue into my next question. How does this work within a city where there is no church presence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously when you talk about the church, the capital C church, right? That is, so God has his agents, you know, dispersed throughout. We don't have a lot of cities that has, that has no Christian presence or no church presence, but we do work in a couple of nations where it's, where it's difficult, like Vietnam, you know. Uh, when you when you look at Vietnam, um, Ho Chi Minh City, where we launched a program for business leaders to mm-hmm. uh, go through a transformation process, and and that was difficult, man. It's not it's not easy, and you know some of these people are are ridiculed if they if they make the transition to Christianity. That's mm-hmm. challenging, but yeah. So I think most of our work are in in cities that are that have a a, a bit more of a, a church presence. But um, again, um, I think even those nations um, that, that don't have that, uh, like Myanmar, we just had one of our books um, translated into, into that local language that um, okay. it helps to work through the agents, but it's, it's a big challenge. So, so the church is an important role player in our whole philosophy and mechanism. Mm. And so when you go into a city that maybe doesn't have as strong a church presence, does you just find that it is a lot slower going process yeah much more difficult where, where the church is, is is not active um or where the church is 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 a little bit adornment or even where mm. the church has positioned itself in a way that is negative you know sometimes the church is so against things every time they open their mouths and say something in the media it's because we're against something so you mm. have the protesting church that is so negatively perceived but sometimes you have the cultural church, which is, you know, they're not protesting, but they have lost their salt and light. You know, they are so have so adjusted to the cultures of this world that they're no longer a voice in the mm. world. Uh, so we believe that the church should be an incarnational church that finds itself in the world, loving the world as Christ has loved us, but using that love to actually demonstrate to the people that we're not here to protest. We're not here just to to tell you what you want to hear, but we're here to journey with you and together trust God for what needs to happen in our city. And so like we mm. say here in South Florida, to make it the best place to live, work, and raise a family. Mm. Yeah, so so making sure that they're still speaking truth, but journeying with those that they're there to serve. Yeah. So, you know, when Jesus speaks, he says, you know, it's, it's with grace and truth. So, mm. and it's interesting, Jesus always led with grace and then brought truth. Right. He didn't lead with truth and then brought grace. So it's interesting how oftentimes as Christians, we want to lead with truth and then have grace. And then, you know, the truth has so much alienated people that they don't even want to, you know, have our grace. But if we mm. come with, hey, God loves you just the way you are, but, you know, God has a plan and God wants a journey with you. And he's not condemning you, but he actually came to, to give you life and life and abundance. And how can we journey with you with that? Mm. It makes a big difference. Now, when you go into a city or location, region, whatever, uh, that doesn't have 
a strong church presence or it's a dormant church presence or nominal church presence. Um, are you, are you guys working in partnership with other organizations, maybe disciple making focused organizations that do have more experience in a context where there is no church presence or there maybe isn't, maybe it's an unreached, unengaged, completely um, type location. Are you working in partnership with organizations that have more experience in those places to help develop and build the local church body so that then you have foothold to be able to insert your strategies and models within that context? Yeah, for sure. So like the YMCA in Europe is quite a, quite a, 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 a popular um, nonprofit for us to engage with. Um, okay. Some of the, the nonprofits there in, in Amsterdam, in, in Holland um, has um, that we're working with like urban life, and uh, so we're seeing some of that happen and um, just asking, you know, how do we come alongside what they are doing? Mm. And so a lot of them, you know, actually um, are really open for partnership. And especially in Europe, you know, where we, uh, for instance, in Romania, there is an organization called Disaneu right there um, uh, in Oradia. And um, so Disaneu would be a, a, a business, but a, a city transformation business that is um, bringing together arts people, bringing together media people, filmmakers, um, and they're also running the the Global Leadership Summit there for leadership development. And uh, so working with them to say, how can we we actually, you know, empower you guys to also make disciples where you are? And Mm. that's been a wonderful, wonderful partnership uh, with them. Oh, cool. Now, offline, I shared how passionate and interested I am and we are in story and storytelling. Uh, how does storytelling play a role in, in your ministry and what you guys are doing? Yeah, it's critical, right? So storytelling on several levels. I think on the, on the one hand, you know, story gives you the ability to, to speak things or to convey truths in a, in a profound manner. I mean, we know Jesus used the parables and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So. Within the, the Doxadeo framework, you know, the Doxadeo story, it's built around the the uh, feeding of the 5,000 and how God did that and putting them in groups of 50s and 100s and how we have campuses around the world that are groups of 50s and 100s, not necessarily those numbers, but smaller groups, and mm-hmm. how how God, um, how the disciples, you know, used the, 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 the bread and the fish and how they, they started to dish that out. And, you know, if you think about the, the story of the 5,000, the feeding, just think about this. Think about the disciple who took the first piece of bread and handed that to the first person. It wasn't multiplied yet, right? As they started to break the pieces, it started to grow and multiply. So that first piece, I guarantee you, it was a small piece, right? Because the disciple knew, man, supplies got to match demand. There's a lot of people here <laughs> who has to eat. But as he broke that piece of bread, right, he saw, oh, there's more. And he keeps on breaking and breaking. And as he dishes out he sees this miracle happen how god is just multiplying the bread and the fish Mm. and sometimes you know if you look at that story there's so much in there of just taking small steps giving small pieces you know starting to dish out the bread starting to take that first step and trust god for what only god can do but also putting the people in groups of 50s and 100s putting them in measurable structure where you can see, because why did Jesus even put them in groups of 50s and 100s, right? Why didn't he just have the mm. whole crowd fed? But he had to put them in, in, a, in a way that he could monitor if everyone was fed and, and, and all of that. So 
using stories like that biblical narrative to build some of your strategy around that is really a great tool to to work with that. Or another example is using the the Habakkuk scripture that I referenced, where the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. If you think about that picture of water covering the, the bottom of the sea, and you think about where in the bottom of the sea will I find a dry spot? I mean, if you've ever had a roof leak and you see water, yeah. <laughs> water can go places where we don't even know there are places, right? It's, mm. it's incredible. Water can penetrate, I mean, in any possible place. So so the gospel and the knowledge of the glory of God can penetrate in every possible way. So using some of these pictures from Scripture in our stories help us to convey truth in a manner that help people to, to see it and, 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 and actually picture it. Uh, in a way, I'll, I'll use one more example. So, when um, so today when I when I when I came here to the office, I uh, I actually had a really scary experience. So I was I was getting out of my car, and as I got out of my car, there was a dog. But this was a vicious dog. I tell you, this is this was a monster dog, and and the dog started to bark at me, and he started to chase me, and I was running, and I was jumping on the other cars. Oh no. <laughs> I tell you, it was incredible. No, they were no dark. I'm actually just making this story up. But what did I do <laughs> right now? I took you on a little bit of a journey. Why? Yeah. Because we don't think in words. When I said dog, you didn't see the, the letters D-O-G, right? right? You saw dog. And when, you, when I said it's a dog, maybe first you thought about your own dog. It's a little dog. And then I said it's a vicious dog. And the dog grew and he became vicious. And then when I said I was jumping, you saw me jump on the car. You saw, and, and as right. I was giving new information, new pictures were forming in your mind. And so in the same way, when we share vision with story, we're creating pictures in people's minds. And those pictures stuck. And when, when that picture's stuck, that is, that is when we really see it becoming stickable, memorable, and we see people moving and actually starting to share some of those same stories as they start to invest in leaders around them. Mm, that's really cool. Now, you, that's how you guys have used story within your structures and, and your strategies. How Can you share maybe two stories, uh, maybe one of an individual who's been transformed through your ministry's work and maybe a story of, of God transforming an entire city and what that's looked like? All right. Yeah. So one of the stories that we love to share is the story of Jacksonville here in Florida. I don't know okay. if you know, but Jacksonville, Florida is one of the largest cities in the U.S. in landmass. So in numbers, it's not the largest, but in landmass it is. It's still a huge city. I think it's over two million people in that city. But it's spread out so wide. And so they actually have the city divided into 14, I don't know if they call it districts or areas, and counties, so maybe. Maybe counties. I don't know. They, you know, the city actually have, it's the city council have a representative from each one of these areas that form oh, wow. the city council. And so what has happened is we have uh, created a program called LifeWork Leadership. And LifeWork Leadership is a nine-month journey with business executives around the leadership model of Jesus, looking at the life of Jesus, asking how did Jesus create a movement with 12 leaders, right, that mm -hmm. he invested in? And more than 2,000 years later, we still harvest the, the benefits of what Jesus did. That's still continuing. How can we learn from the greatest leader ever? So we take these people through this. 
So the leader of this um, life work leadership, we call her our executive director, Dr. Tammy McCafferty. She actually took this and said, okay, how can we as life work leadership have an impact on the city? So they started to make sure that some of the individuals that they are um, coaching and leading uh, through life work leadership uh, share the vision of actually getting to the city council. So we started to position them and, and encouraging them to make themselves available. So by this time, uh, by last year, we had um, five of the 12 seats on the city council were life work leadership alumni who have gone oh, through wow. the value system and the city transformation processes through life work leadership. In this last election, two more people were elected. So now we have the majority on the city council of Jacksonville as life mm. work leaders. Now, some of those leaders are on both sides of the aisle. And you know what? What was interesting, when they ran, they actually, we had them, you know, meet together, pray together, share together, and the political environment changed substantially. Because how can you mm. stand next to someone and we actually had a, a Life Work Leadership Alumni event where we invited a lot of leaders in the city and had these candidates stand there and share their personal testimony. And so now someone has shared their testimony. And then after that, they can say why they think they would be a good fit for the city council. And then, so how can you now, you know, speak bad about someone else's testimony you just heard as a fellow, mm. fellow believer? So in a sense, what we saw is we saw a political environment in the city of Jacksonville change completely. We saw a city council coming into the dominant influence of the Christian value system. And now we're seeing that city starting to implement some of those changes, having an effect on legislation, having an effect on so many areas. And all because a local leader, Dr. Tammy McCafferty, took the, the, the Intel chip, the city changes principles, and applied that inside of her leadership training organization. And we see that flourish there at the moment. So that's just a, just a wonderful story to, to hear how, how that is happening. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's really cool. And what about a, an individual life that's been transformed that you have a story you could share? Yeah. So um, uh, this is really, really just wonderful to see how people, specifically individuals' lives, have been, have been transformed and, and changed. So we had um, some of the, the school children at one of the, the Christian schools there in, um, in South Africa that were kind of, you know, on the, on the edge, didn't really know where to go and started to actually um, uh, grasp this discipleship process where we took them through a whole process of understanding that they're not just being safe to go to heaven, but actually to love people, to change their world mm -hmm. and to make an impact. And when this young girl started to integrate this into her life, she started to develop her leadership skills. And when she started to do that, she got elected on the city council, the junior city council of the city. And then she reached out to, I don't know if, um, you know, this, um, this leader who had, doesn't have any arms and legs and that is, you know, sharing around the world. I forgot his name right now, but reached out to, 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 to this guy. And he started to, to become an influence in the nation because of this school child that reached out, invited him. He came all the way from Australia to South Africa, oh, wow. started to speak in leadership, started to make an, a massive, a massive difference. And that actually launched a lot of what, what is happening through his, um, his ministry. So it's a, it's a, it's a small, it's a small, um, 
uh, step. It's a, it's a school child that took the vision, mm-hmm. integrated it into her life and said, I'm going to be a city changer and I'm going to change my city by embracing the, the values of, of city change. Mm, that's awesome. Well, Anton, this has been um, really awesome and enlightening and, and we appreciate your insights. If people want to learn more about what you guys are doing or, or are interested in uh, having you come and be a part of what they're doing in their city or want to learn more about City Changers, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so they can just uh, go to one of our websites. So the one is uh, www.citychanger.org. Okay. And then uh, lifeworkleadership.org or doxadeo.org. Any one of those three, they can just link to and see what we're doing. And there's ways there to contact us and get in touch with us. Um, we'd love to serve and, and be a part of what God is doing in, in their area of the world. Awesome. Well, thank you. Can I pray for you and, and City Changers real quick? Yes, we need all the prayer we can get. Thank <laughs> awesome. you. Awesome. Father, I just lift up uh, the, the City Changers movement and Anton and his team. I pray that you would um, go before them, continue to lead and guide them um, and help them as they create unity across these cities. Um, they help develop leaders and um, uh, strong followers of you who can have influence in their communities and in their regions and their cities. Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing through this incredible ministry. Uh, I pray that you would bless it and grow it and uh, yeah, just guide and lead Anton and his team and um, help them to um, seek you and your face and your direction diligently, Lord. We love you. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing, that you've invited us into this redemptive story. And uh, we just pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, Anton, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, we wish you guys the best. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.